Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your saving grace and mercy. Even though we were sinners, we are sinners, Lord. You sent Jesus to die upon the cross for us and provide a way that we could be saved, that you draw us, that you save us from start to finish. We just thank you this morning. Father, I pray in our prayer groups, Father, we might continue to uphold each other, intercede for one another, encourage each other. And Father, as we look to your word for your further guidance in Philippians 4, that we would learn more of how we can remain spiritually stable when the world around us is crumbling. Father, we thank you again for this time together, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we started a two-part series entitled Spiritual Stability. Our passage this morning, as we'll continue, is Philippians 4. And in the first nine verses, we're studying seven attitudes of action that can help us, with God's help, to achieve and maintain spiritual stability in the world around us. We know the government shut down. I don't know how long. Uh, (laughs) We know things can get very unstable very quickly. So if you aren't there, please join me in Philippians 4, 1 to 9. And we'll uh, continue in our study we started two weeks ago. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my crown and joy, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Eodia and I urge Synthes to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true comrade, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men The Lord is near, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. As we review our first study, we found that in verse 1, Paul, from a pastor's heart, had encouraged these loved fellow believers to become more and more like Jesus in chapter 3. And he was concerned that they stand fast in the Lord. That's a military term of holding the front line in battle because under the persecution the world was around these believers, they were being challenged for their faith in the Lord. Two weeks ago, we found that the first attitude of action in verses 2 and 3, and that is seeking unity and harmony in the body of Christ. Two ladies who had been there at the beginning of the church in the community 
and had been there from the start had a disagreement and it was disrupting the church's testimony. And Paul urges, he implores, he begs them to settle it. Paul is so concerned that he calls upon one of the elders in the Greek word suzogos, whose name means true companion or comrade. He urges him to intervene before the dispute in the church got any worse. As an elder, it was part of his responsibility in caring for those in the local church, including settling or helping to settle disagreements that had been going on. In our last study, we discovered the second attitude of action in verse 4, rejoicing in the Lord. That speaks of having a deep down confidence that God is in control of our lives. And so we can rejoice in the Lord. We know He's sovereign over everything in our lives. Nothing gets by the Lord. Nothing takes Him by surprise. We rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because God saved us from start to finish by His grace and mercy. Someday we will be in His presence as Philippians 1.21 remind us, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why when somebody who knows the Lord passes away, it's a homecoming to heaven for them. We will miss them, their presence here on earth, but they're with the Lord, a far better place than what we have here on this earth. But while we're here on this earth, God is continuing to work in our lives every day to make us more and more like Jesus. So that someone who doesn't know the Lord looks at our lives and they observe our lives and they say, there's something there that I don't have. And God begins to work in their hearts and draws them to Him and that they would be saved as well. Every time we meet in our small prayer groups, there's the mention of praying for loved ones or friends who are unsaved. We must continue to do that. That's part of our responsibility, our duty here on this earth to live lives that are pleasing to God. The third attitude of action we looked at two weeks ago in verse 5 is being satisfied or content means a gentle, easy-going spirit, a sweet reasonableness, big-hearted, quick to show mercy and grace toward others. Look at verse 4, verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Paul didn't have it easy on this earth. But he was a believer. And we know he's with the Lord now. But he learned that no matter what was going on around him, God was still in control, whether he had a lot or little. Because God was in control. We can relax and concentrate on helping others, knowing God given all that we have, so that we're quick to share. Because everything we have on this earth is temporary. Whatever pile we have, whatever size U-Haul we have of stuff, it's all going to be left here. But we'll be with the Lord forever. Once we believe and practice that God is adequate for everything in our lives, even in the middle of a hurricane, we will bubble over with gentleness toward others, especially toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. The final and fourth attitude we studied two weeks ago was shared 
in verses 5b and 6a where it says the following, the Lord is near, be anxious for nothing. When we think about that, the Lord is near, He's here. He's in us, He's he's in control of everything. There isn't anything that catches God off guard. He's in control and because of that, we don't have to be anxious for nothing. Of course, we all play the game anxious. We say, well, I'm concerned. Or my mind just boggle with it, so I concentrate really hard on it. So, so I'm not really worried about it. I'm just deeply concerned. We use other words, but it's where our minds are just so filled with worry that we can't do what God wants us to be doing here on this earth. That's growing, and that means witnessing as well to those around us. One thing I was always reminded of while working in Pinellas County Jail is that some of those inmates that I saw may be the only time I'll ever see them. Because one thing about the average stay at Pinellas County Jail is 21 days. So some are in one day, some are in a year, some are in two or three years because of appeals. But that time that I have with them might be the only time. And so... I want to make sure that they at least know that Jesus died on the cross for them. At least plant a seed. Every one of us, I told Doug this a few times along the way, as long as God gives us a sack of seeds every day, we're to be scattering it. God does with it, that's up to Him. He knows already what is going to hold and what isn't. God's in control of that, but He says, scatter the seed. We all have different people we run into every day in our lives. Sometimes we run into them literally, but we run into them for a purpose. And that's what we have to remember. So we see in these verses, we can lean on the Lord and He won't let us down. We can have a confident faith in the Lord. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He has us in His mighty right hand and no one can snatch us out because God's presence is always with us. We don't need to be anxious over anything. A confident faith like David before Goliath. Here's this young man standing before a warrior who has killed hundreds, maybe thousands. But he comes with those rocks because he knew God was in control of that situation. Or Daniel, as he was thrown in a lion's den for praying three times a day because they couldn't find anything in his life as a politician where he had taken a shortcut. That's confidence. God would not let them down, and he didn't. A song we sing a lot here is Cling to Christ, and I think those words are important to be reminded of too, that confidence, faith. In God, it says, Father, I can come to you and boast of deeds I've done. In my pride, I strive to earn the favor Christ has won. He alone pleads my acceptance, all my works aside. So I come with empty hands and I cling to Christ. That's it. That's the bottom line. Cling to Him because He will never let us down. God is on the throne. So this morning... We come to the final three attitudes of action as we pick up our study in Philippians 4, the last part of verse 6. 
And here's what it says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That fifth attitude of action, practicing thanksgiving or gratitude in prayer for problems. Oh, boy, I don't like that last part, do you? Practicing gratitude for problems as we pray. There's a purpose in challenges and problems that come into our lives. We should be thankful for them and not question, doubt, or blame God. Wow. But we trust in Him alone for our answer to whatever we're facing. Here's what one inmate wrote. He's serving in Fort Stockton, Texas. And he wrote this. Lena unit in Fort Stockton. His name's Larry. He says, you're not alone is the title of it. So many people do not believe in the name of Jesus Christ. It's all because of all the troubles that have happened in their life. There are some who believed in Him, who backslid and turned away. The bad things that happened in this life made them lose their faith to pray. Some speak to me words of defeat during this storm I'm going through. I then reply with my head up high that I have faith and you should too. In this life I have lived, I have struggled, I have seen so many rainy days, there were times I would have given up, but instead I cried and prayed. The devil whispers in my ear, there's no way I can go on. Then it appears as I pray in tears that God has left me and is gone. I feel so convicted and ashamed for all the sins and wrong I've done, but I have the faith that God will finish the work that He's begun. So many people do not believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm a living witness that God can change your life. For every problem I've had in life, God has moved them all away. That is because instead of giving up, I chose to fight and pray. God has never let me down in all the storms I've gone through. God has been so good to me, and He will do the same for you. Serving a life prison in Texas. No reason not to write from his heart. I don't know about you, but that, that hits me pretty hard. He knows God's never let him down. He's never let us down. We can have our faith in him. Instead of questioning God's plan for us and being angry at God when problems come, we're to apply first Peter five seven, casting all my cares, my anxieties on him for he cares for us. Romans 8.28 says, For I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, them that are called according to His purpose. Everything in our life is under God's control. It's the trials, it's the challenges, it's the problems in life that test what we believe. The trials strengthen our faith. As James reminds us, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, oh, that word. What is it, Doug? The inmates started with the P? Patience. Oh, man, don't, don't say that, John. We don't want to hear about patience. <laughs> That's a lost character trait in our lives today, isn't it? 
Cars honking if we don't floor it when the light turns green. Ever had that happen? Given the middle finger if we don't drive 50 on Keen. Or pause too long at the drive-thru. So we waited 60 seconds for that Big Mac with cheese. <laughs> Patience. God's purpose in our lives is that we're thankful knowing that the storms of life are establishing our faith. First Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. In other words, be settled in God that He will keep His word. His promises are true, even in a tunnel in life. John MacArthur shares, Thankful prayer brings release from fear and worry because it affirms God's sovereign control over every circumstance and that His purpose is the believer's good. All three words for prayer, prayer, supplication, requests, have to do with petitions that when we have a problem, who should we go to every time? To God, right? Every time. Thanking God in the midst of chaos in our lives displays spiritual stability because we have a heart of gratitude that God is continuing to help us become more and more like Jesus in our daily walk. The outcome of a thankful heart of prayer is what? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. No matter what the answer is to that current crisis in our lives, we will have God's peace. It's an inward peace that we can't even describe, but we know when we have it and we know when we don't. When we are in the middle of extreme difficulties in life and we're pouring out our prayers to God with thanksgiving and gratitude, God will generously give us His peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mine you will keep in perfect peace because He trusts in you. We can only get this unbelievable inner peace from God. No place else, no one else can give it to us. It's not available at Walgreens or Walmart or even Publix pharmacies, but can only be prescribed by God Himself. Out of His grace and mercy, He gives us His peace. The bottom line question in order to pray with thanksgiving for problems is, can I trust God to get me through this? Can I trust Him? John 16.33 tells us, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. God's peace is unique and really can't explain it except to know if we have it. What I love, the last part of verse 7, it says, God's peace, it guards us. That's a military term of a Soldier going back and forth. He's on guard duty and protecting us from the enemies all around. Enemies like doubt and fear. Those things that can sidetrack us from concentrating on what the Lord wants us to be doing that day. 
a Christian group called Mercy Me shares some words from a song entitled Even If, and I think these words help us to understand a little bit more here of what we're looking at here in the Word. It says, even if they say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and right now, right now I'm losing bad. I've stood on this stage night after night reminding the broken it'll be all right. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. We depend on anything, we lean on anything else, but Jesus is going to fall over, it's going to fail us. But Jesus is faithful. Every week we are learning more in Awana and Sparks about different characteristics of God. And as I was preparing this lesson, I'm also teaching this week, and I thought, God, you time this perfect, we're learning God is faithful. The F, the word faithful. God is faithful. He never lets us down. He's always there. And He is very patient with me. I know and He's patient with each one of us because He loves us. And He wants us to grow in our faith. God's peace, even as we someday face death's door, will guard our whole inner person in Christ Jesus because through Christ alone we're part of God's family forever. I don't know, have you ever thought of the concept of forever, eternal, no end? Just sometime go out at night when we don't have the clouds over, but you look up and you look up in the sky and try to see the end of the stars. You can't. That's kind of my idea of what eternity, no end, we will be with the Lord forever. I recall at Pinellas County Jail, the power of prayers, inmates began to practice praying specifically, claiming God's promises, and then learning to thank God for the answer before it came because they knew God was in control. That's faith. Saying, God, I thank you for the answer. I don't know how you're going to work it out, but I know you will. Thank you. Saying, well, I don't know what the answer is. It doesn't matter, does it, if God's sovereign? God doesn't make a mistake. God doesn't say, oh, man, I forgot to answer that believer's prayer. He doesn't do that. He's God. We can put our total trust in Him. And I remember... uh, a couple of sessions there with the inmates, how they were getting excited, how God was answering specifically, whether it was a court case, whether it was a problem they had in their pod with maybe another inmate. I remember one particular inmate said this one guy, he just trying to do everything he could to trip him up in his walk with the Lord. And you know that next week, that inmate was put in another pod. Remember that, Doug? So they were excited to share. And those who are in the middle of dealing with some guy they're not getting along with, they bring it to prayer, let God work it out, and then praise Him even ahead of time how God does work it out, because He will. 
for His glory. Pastor Steve's been sharing that as well in his messages, how we need to be doing everything so God gets the glory and the honor. That's what it's about. That's the privilege we have in walking on this earth to bring glory to Him. The sixth attitude of action is given in verse 8. And there's quite a list here. That sixth attitude of action is that we need to think or meditate on God honoring things. Not the NFL playoffs. Not whether at the Super Bowl are they going to kneel or are they going to protest there. Not whether the government shut down, how's that going to affect me, I'm going to worry about it. But on concentrating or meditating on God honoring things. And there's a great list here in verse 8. He begins there, Finally, brethren, finally, brothers and sisters in Christ, here's a list of what to concentrate on so that you can be spiritually stable in your lives every day. And it says here in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, that first list, whatever is true. Is truth important today? People, I don't know, do they attest or swear anymore in the courtroom to tell the truth? I haven't been in there recently. I know that used to be something you held up your hand and you did that. Anybody been in? Well, nobody, I'm sure, has been in the courtroom. <laughs> do they still do that, Rig? Do you know? Yeah, I hope they do, because that's important. To tell the truth, they do on TV. Okay. Then it must be real. It must be real, okay. Things that are true, that's important. Where do we go for the truth? We go to God's Word for the truth. That means we read it. That means we memorize it. We meditate upon it. What does that mean, meditate? We go over and over it. Why? Have you ever read Psalm 1? Try reading Psalm 1 five times in a row. And every time you read it, you will say, well, I didn't notice that last time. Meditating means we re-go over it and let God teach us through His Holy Spirit so that we can apply it and let it become a part of our lives so that others see God's Word being lived out a little bit, a little glimpse of Jesus in our lives every day. Ephesians 4, 20 and 21 remind us, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard Him and you have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. In John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Eric, who is presently serving a state sentence, I've mentioned him, uh, one of the inmates who's now serving uh, down the road, was always anxious to share a new verse he had memorized. And I remember one week in going over to talk to Eric when he was still at the jail he said, oh, I love those verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. And he says, you know, that's true, chaplain. He said, I know it is every day. 
Secondly, not only truth to concentrate on, but we're to meditate, secondly, on things that are noble or honorable. Speaks of things worthy of respect. High, noble character. And you know, a forgotten word in our world today, integrity. Example of Daniel, remember? They looked everywhere they could at his work life and they couldn't find one thing to bring against him. That's integrity. Thinking before we act and asking ourselves, would Jesus approve? Does what I'm going to do or say bring honor and glory to God? One inmate incarcerated up the road at Rayford, Florida, Eugene Carter wrote at a Rayford at Union Correctional Institute. He said, my legacy, how will I be remembered? What kind of life did I lead? Did I help society or did I beg and plead? Did I guide my family? Did I show them the way? Did I instill sound morals or leave them bills to pay? How will I be remembered? How will you be remembered or do you even care? Will you be remembered for good? are as one who feared to dare. Your life's legacy is not just about you, but it's also about honor, God's blessed gift to you. So how do we want to be remembered? As one who walked with the Lord like Enoch, when they looked at the end of his life? Will it be one like Jonah who went the wrong way and God turned him around and he got thrown up on a beach and said, Okay, Lord, now I'm going to do what you asked me to do in the first place. Are we going to be one like Paul who went through all kinds of challenges, all kinds of, of being tortured at times, being thrown in jail, and yet whatever state I'm in, Lord, I'm going to be content because my eyes are on you. Every day, one day at a time. Third, we need to focus on things that are just or right or righteous. Consistently thinking that in line with God's Word. And how are we going to know that unless we are in the Word? Every day, letting God teach us. My father built a floor covering business back in Kansas by always going beyond the minimum and striving for pleasing the customer, even when he had to go pull up carpet and redo it and lose money. Focusing on things that are right because it's right before God. It's the same word used in Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. It's just. Colossians 4.1. Masters, give your servants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Fourth, concentrating on things that are pure, free from contamination. 1 John 3.3 reminds us, And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. When our first priority is pleasing God, we will be persecuted in some way or another because God's ways, His standards, His Word contradicts what the world teaches. In order to get pure gold, the heat has to be turned up so the impurities rise to the top. So they can be skimmed off. The same thing true in our lives. Fifth, things that are lovely. It's the only time that word lovely is used in the New Testament. It speaks of being sweet, gracious, 
focusing on our thinking based on God's Word so we're great to be around. When we come into a room, does everybody leave? They say, oh, good. So-and-so's here. Glad to see him. Or I say, oh, boy, i got to go. Are we pleasant to be around? Lovely. I like that word. Even small things like saying please and thank you or opening the door for someone. You ever do that? You open the door for someone, you don't know who they are, and then they look at you like three times like, what in the world are you doing here? That should be more common for all of us to be doing, looking for those opportunities to show Jesus' loveliness to those we come in contact with. Six, zeroing in on things that are of good report or repute. Highly regarded things like kindness, respect for others, even when they don't agree with us. Oh, that's a hard one. If someone shadowed us for a week, would they report we're walking according to God's standards? We need to focus on things that are in line with God's Word. Is that easy? But No, it isn't. But possible? With God's help. That's how we do it. In summary, Paul concludes, If there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. If we focus and meditate on the things listed in verse 8, we don't have room to worry, do we? That's quite a list. We won't have things in our lives bombarding our lives that bring dishonor to God if we're zeroing in on the things God wants us to zero in. Every morning we need to wake up and say, God, again, thank you for waking me up today. Use me for your honor and glory. Show me what you want me to learn. So how many of these things listed in verse 8 are true in our lives today? Most of them, a few, none. Remember, This is a list that God has given us that with His help can be done, can be seen in our lives on a daily basis. Remember the bumper sticker, be patient with God, God isn't finished with me yet? I guess I need to get one of those. I don't know where they are. If you know, let me know. It's never too late as long as God keeps waking us up every morning on this earth. The seventh and final attitude of action is shared in verse 9, and that is practice. Do God's standards. Make it a part of our daily lives. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, in Paul, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. Practicing means repeat it. Do it every day, on a daily basis. When we are living God's way with the right thoughts that lead to action that honors God, our testimony will be honoring and glorifying God's name. It could be at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, at our family gatherings, even shopping at the grocery store. Reflecting Jesus to others, giving them that glimpse that Jesus is real because He's working in our lives. We need godly examples today for our young people. Those here in our congregation who have faced medical and spiritual battles, trusting in God alone, that helps our young people. It gives them hope for the future. You know why suicides is highest among teenagers? Because they don't have a hope of ever being an adult that's going to matter. 
In this verse, Paul asks the believers in Philippi and us to look at him as an example. Not to brag, but to keep this apostle accountable to others in the body of Christ. I'm honored to have two close brothers I'm accountable to every month. I try to meet with one I meet with in person, one we still meet that we were close brothers there in Colorado. We meet through email, but we try to keep each other accountable. We've got to be accountable to God. Believers at Philippi Community Chapel had learned from Paul and they had received speaks of not only accepting the truth of God's Word, but then passing it on. They heard Paul had a reputation from those who knew the apostle that his character was centered on integrity and accountability. They saw in Paul because they saw Paul in the good times and the bad times. How about us? What does the world see? When we practice God's standards, there's an outcome that is shared at the last part of verse 9. And the God of peace shall be with you. What more can we ask for? God of peace, God's peace, God's presence is with us. So we've come to the close of this study of maintaining stability in an unstable world. We saw seven attitudes that included seeking unity within the local body, rejoicing in the Lord, being satisfied, being content, being strong in our faith, having a grateful, thankful heart for problems, concentrating on godly character, and finally in practicing and living by God's standards on a daily basis. Where are we today, this morning? Are there changes that need to be made? What is God prompting us to do in light of these attitudes of action in Philippians 4? We have today to get started on those changes. However, God can only make the permanent changes. So that every day that we live on this earth is truly honoring Him. Brothers and sisters, myself included, we must consider what God wants us to do with His Word. This is His directives for us. This is what He's telling us to do to become more and more like Jesus. What are we going to do about it? We need to ask God, what do you want me to do personally for you so that my life brings honor and glory? to your name. Let's pray. Great God and Father, thank you for this time in Philippians 4. Thank you for your word. May we apply it through your Holy Spirit. May you give us the strength. May you help us to not only hear it, but be doers of the word as well. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do when we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.